Hello, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, July the 25th. We continue in our study of Hebrews. You know, the 11th chapter of Hebrews is one of the best known of, of the great chapters of all of the scripture. It, it has been referred to as the parade of the heroes of faith. And in Hebrews, there's an, there's an element which, which is regarded as absolutely essential to the development of the life of the believer. And, and that quality is the quality of faith. It is what makes the believer, the Christian believer, different from the non-Christian. That rather eccentric philosopher and nature lover of New England in the last century, David, Henry David Thoreau, once said, If I seem to walk out of step with others, it is because I am listening to another drumbeat. And that is an exact description of faith. Believers, Christians, walking as though listening to another drumbeat. And this chapter centers on and focuses on what faith is, and and there's need for clarity on this. We find this word faith is greatly misunderstood. And there are a lot of strange ideas of what it is. So it might help to show, first of all, what faith is not. So faith, for instance, is not just positive thinking. That is, that's something really very different. And, and faith is not a hunch that's followed. It, faith is not hoping for the best, hoping that everything will turn out all right. Faith is not even a feeling of optimism. Faith is none of those things. Though all of them have been confused, I have confused all of them as faith. Well, then what is faith? Well, the first seven verses of the chapter of chapter 11 of Hebrews answer that question. And the rest of the chapter tells us how it works. And, and so we're going to kind of limit our attention today to those first seven verses. And the author is not discussing faith in general, of course, but faith in God, faith in the holy other. If this is important, then it is essential that we know what it is, what it is. And so in these seven verses, th- there's a definition where we see the, the ingredients of faith. This, by the way, is the only definition of faith in all of the scriptures. And, and the definition is followed by a deduction, if you will, in which we, you have these, these sort of reveal the significance, the implications of faith. And then there's a demonstration. We see, the, we see illustrations of faith. And the first and second verses uh, of, of the six, um, uh, excuse me, the, the, the first and and second verses uh, and the sixth verse taken together help define faith for us. And so here, so here we see the ingredients of faith. So let me, let me pray and, and all will continue. So, so Father, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be wholly pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength, our Redeemer. Amen. Hebrews 11, 1 through 2, and then verse 6, reading in the NIV. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So note how these verses indicate that faith 
<clears throat> begins with hope. Faith starts with things hoped for. That is, it starts with a sense of discontent. You know, we can never have much faith unless we are dissatisfied with the way that we are now and are longing for something better. That's the first note. So if I don't feel dissatisfied, if I don't feel dissatisfied with the way that we are, it will be impossible for us to exercise any faith. That's why all throughout the scriptures, the great enemy of faith is complacency. It's a complacent spirit. It's an attitude of self-satisfaction with the status quo. But if we are dissatisfied, if we're looking for something better, if we are not content to be just simply a cultivated animal living out of life, uh, a light of, of eating and sleeping and amusing ourselves and eventually dying, well, then, then we are in a position to exercise faith. Someone has described that kind of life this way, in, in, into this world to eat and to sleep and to know no reason why he was born save to consume the corn, devour the cattle, flock and fish, and leave behind an empty dish. Perhaps there are many who would like to have faith but are not ready for it because they're not dissatisfied. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, I need to lose a couple inches around my waistline or, oh, I like this. No, 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 no. We're talking about those deep longings of life, those deep questions of life, the big ones. The big why, what, what if, where, those big questions. If we're not dissatisfied, if, if, we're not, if we're not okay with that, then we're not ready for faith. You see, they must demand more of life than, than the mere mechanics of just simply living. We want more, don't we? We're looking for something better. And, and then that is the first note of faith. And then verse 6 puts it, they who would draw near to God, that is looking for more of life than is visible on the surface. Such, such a person is not satisfied to have life, um, life all surface, all length and breadth, but, but no depth, if you will. They, they want to find something deeper, something to deepen life. And, and that's the first note of faith. Then comes the conviction or awareness of things not seen. So not only a desire for something better, first part, but awareness of something else. So that's faith. It means we become aware that we are surrounded by an invisible spirit kingdom. That which is, is seen is not the whole explanation of life. There are realities which cannot be seen. They cannot be weighed, measured, analyzed, or touched. And and yet, which are as real and as vital as anything that we can see. In fact... They are more real because they are the explanation of things that can be seen. You see, we, we have to understand there is a spiritual kingdom that exists. And it's, it's so amazingly and so beautifully seen in the words and the teachings of Jesus. He speaks of God the Father as though he were standing right there, invisible, but yet present. He speaks of the world as a, as a great family home where, where there's a father with a father's heart welcoming us. He does not see the universe as this impersonal machine grinding and clanking along, as, as unfortunately science frequently does. But he sees it as an invisible but very real spiritual kingdom. 
And again, verse six says the same. Those that come to God must believe that he that he is, that God exists. There are some who say, well, that's the hard part. That's what is difficult. I would kind of say that's the easiest thing in the world to do, to believe that God exists. You know, it requires a lot of effort to disbelieve. It doesn't require effort to believe. The interesting thing is that everyone in the world, without exception, starts out believing that God exists. It's only when they are carefully trained to disbelieve that they come to the place of declaring that God does not exist. Light from God is is coming in on every side. All we have to do is to open our eyes to see it and know that God is there. That's why children have no problem with this. You know, we would think that the concept of God ought to be one that's one of the most difficult ideas for children to grasp since God cannot be seen. But the amazing thing is children have no difficulty at all in believing that God exists. It's why we are commanded and told to have faith like a child. It requires long, careful effort to train the mind to reject this evidence and to explain it on some other kinds of terms. It's only those minds then that have deliberately trained themselves that can claim to be atheistic. Even then, if they're not careful, they may suddenly refer to a belief in God as as the the person who, who on one occasion exclaimed, I am an atheist, thank God. (laughs) There's also a third ingredient of faith, and that's the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance that the things hoped for, the things that we are longing to have, the better person that we would like to be, will be achieved by acting on the revelation of these things that are unseen. So now if we put that all together, first of all, faith, it begins with a longing to be something better. There has to be more in this existence. Secondly, it's an awareness that within the universe, there is, in fact, something else. And then thirdly, and that something or that someone else has revealed itself as we act on that revelation, then we will achieve the things hoped for, the something better. That is the story of the whole 11th chapter of Hebrews. It is the story of faith. It will work for anyone at any level. Here, by the way, is the answer to that very persistent question that we so frequently face, right? There's a couple, there's a handful of these questions and and, and we've all asked them, we've all thought them, we've all had them asked of us. And so here's one of them, right? What about the non-believers who never hear the gospel? Well, they have the opportunity to exercise faith because faith at its simplest level is, is that they that come to God must believe that God exists, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Any person who wants something more, who believes that God exists and who will obey the revelation that they have, no matter at whatever level they find it, expecting God to give him more, them more as they go along, will come to the place where, where they win divine approval, the place of knowing Jesus Christ. Without that faith, it is impossible to please God. Verse 3 introduces this amazing deduction, which reveals something of the significance of faith, rather the implications of it. So in Hebrews 11.3, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. 
That statement, remember, was made in the first century when the best scientific minds of the time felt that the ultimate breakdown of matter was fourfold. You had fire, water, soil, and air. That was the explanation of all matter. The first century. And yet here we are in 2021, after 2,000 plus years of human, the human endeavor in exploring the secrets of the origin of matter, we cannot improve on that statement. This verse says that we can never explain the things which are seen. In other words, scientific, until we come to grips with the things that are unseen. We must recognize the existence of things unseen. It brings us to a very important deduction about faith, that faith puts us immediately in touch with reality. That is the genius of faith. That is the glory of it, the value of it. Ray Steadman says this, faith is a way by which we may overleap the torturous windings of reason, the need to grope by trial and error and lay hold of the basic facts of life immediately. Faith is a way of piercing the illusion that tends to distract us and lead us into chasing rabbits of thought all over the pasture and bring us right to the point to show us things as they really are. Do not laugh at faith. Faith is dealing with facts. Faith grounds one immediately on reality. Science, for instance, cannot tell me how the human history is going to end, but by faith, I know. Science cannot tell me what is wrong with human life, what is the reason why we act the way we do, but by faith, we know. Science cannot tell us what lies beyond the door of death. Even to the scientist, it is an enigma, it's a mystery, but by faith, we know what lies beyond. Science cannot explain the mysteries of our own makeup and tell us how to fulfill our humanity, how to realize our dreams. But faith can. Someday, perhaps, after painful centuries, when mankind's reason has slowly and torturously worked out some of these answers and worked it all out, mankind will find that it has been brought then to the very same place that faith could have many, many thousands of years before. This is why faith always pleases God because it comes to grips with reality and God is the ultimate realist. God is never impressed with phony. He disregards the false. God deals only with the truth. He says that to trust his word is a plain statement of truth, ignoring all the mocking that will happen of those who think that they know better will, will not be an easy path but it will be an absolutely sure one. That's what Hebrews 11 says to us. So now let us, so let's look at three demonstrations that the author gives here to illustrate faith. There, there are more than three in this chapter, of course, but these first three illustrate what faith is, the, the, real, the, the, the rest reveal how faith works. So I want to spend just a brief moment with these three uh, men who lived by faith and who chose to believe God when the world around them believed something else. And the result was that each one found reality, each solved the main problem of their life, each realized their deepest desire and gained the gift of righteousness. That is, the approval of a holy God. So the first is Abel. It's 11.4 of Hebrews. Now by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. 
So here are the world's first brothers, Abel, Cain, sons of Adam and Eve. They lived when the world was young, when everything was much different than it is today. It was before the days of income tax, of smog, of highways, terrible problems that we struggle with. Yet despite the fact that they enjoyed what we would call the simple life, the pure life, well, they longed for something better. They hungered after God. Because no matter how good life is, it's never good enough if you do not have God. Mankind is never satisfied without him. And these boys hungered for God. Both had been told the way by which that they could come to him. This is implied in the account. But Cain chose to believe a lie. The lie that is still very evident today. That one way is as good as another. Nothing is new under the sun, people. He took the, the way that was easiest for him to work out, and the result was he was rejected. Because, of course, it is a lie that, there, that one way is as good of, as another. The way is open to all, but the way is only the way that God dictates through Jesus Christ. That never works in anything. Nature, life, holy God, nothing. But Abel believed God and came the way that God had outlined. And when he believed God, he discovered a great truth. The truth that man cannot have God's ability until he is prepared to recognize the poverty of himself. That's what blood sacrifice teaches. There must be a life laid down before one can have the life of God. That is the point. We cannot have his ability for our problems until we are first ready to lay aside any dependence on ourself. That's the greatest truth that humanity can ever learn. If we learn that here, as some of us are learning it, what a difference it makes in life. Because Abel was the first person to learn the truth, the writer says he is still speaking to us. And so we still need to listen. Then there was Enoch. Enoch was the seventh person, the seventh man from Adam. And in verse 5 of chapter 11, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had just taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as the one who pleased God. So in the book of Genesis, we are told that for 65 years, this man lived like anyone else in his day. No different from the rest of his age. But at the age of 65, something happened. It was not, he didn't get his social security. But he, he found a deeper security than that. The record says he began to walk with God. In other words, he began for the first time to enjoy the continuous presence of an unseen person. And he related his life daily to that unseen person who was with him. And when he did that, he discovered a great reality, just as we will if we try. He found a fellowship that death could not interrupt. According to the record, he never died. He was one of two men in the scriptures of, of whom it is recorded that they never died. He was not found. That is all. God took him, the record says, without death. I love the way the little Sunday school girl tells it. She said, Enoch was a man who learned to walk with God. And they used to take long walks together. And one day they walked so far that God said, look, Enoch, it's too far for you to go back. Just come on home with me. So he walked on home with God. <laughs> he became forever this picture of what death is to the believer, to the Christian. It's only an incident. It's hardly worth mentioning. That is the reality that Enoch discovered by faith. So then there's Noah. Well, Noah believed God in, in, in a special way. This, here's verse 7 of chapter 11. By faith, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. <laughs> 
By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping that is in keeping with faith. Noah believed that God was in control of history. All the things these men believed, we, we're asked to believe today. There is absolutely no difference. Noah believed that God was in charge of history. He believed that, that God told him there's a great flood coming. And when Noah told this around, everyone began to laugh. They say how foolish he is. But Noah just went ahead, built the boat. Now, that's not unusual in these days. But he built it 500 miles from the nearest ocean, a thousand times too big for his own family. And when he got it finished, he filled it with animals. But he anticipated history. And so he showed how short-sighted the world is when it walks in the light of its own reason, alone. He was led on by his faith to become, as the text says, the heir of righteousness, which comes by faith. In other words, in Christ Jesus, he and he became part of the divine family. That is what faith is. Faith is believing there is another dimension to life other than those which can be touched, tasted, seen, or felt. There is more to life than that. There's also the realm of the spirit, the invisible spiritual kingdom of God. All the ultimate answers of that lie, of, the, of life, lie in that kingdom. Faith believes that God, in his grace, has stepped over the boundary into human history and told us some great and some very valuable things. Faith believes them and adjusts its life to those facts and walks then on that basis. So the world does not understand and oftentimes uses derogatory terms for those who walk by faith. Certainly, they are not oddballs in every way, although in some way every believer is. You know, we just got to, we just got, you know, that tagline, right? You've seen it in Asheville. You've seen it in, you've seen it in Austin's where it originated. Keep, keep Austin weird. Keep, keep, uh, keep Asheville weird. Well, let's keep Benero Christian Fellowship weird. Because if the world sees us as weird, maybe we're doing something right. That's the glory of faith. Now, do we have faith? Are we a person of faith? Is there a hunger for something better in our life? Is there a conviction that God is ready to answer our cry? In fact, he has already answered it in Jesus Christ. Are we ready then to commit ourselves to obey what he says, to accept his verdict, his viewpoint as the true one, despite despite the cries that pour into the ear, our ears from every side saying, nah, this is wrong. Well, that's what faith is. And if we're that kind of person, we can join in this parade of faith in this really this unfinished chapter. Now, the scripture is not going to be rewritten in heaven. It never needs to be rewritten because it is truth and truth never needs to change. But then one thing will happen to it. There are certain sections of it that will be extended because they are unfinished. The book of Acts, for instance, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, we are still following the same program. God is still calling men and women to live by faith. And if by faith in what God has said, we we live our life according to that revelation, then we will also someday have our names added to this parade of heroes of faith the people who have done the only great things the world has ever really known. We close today with Numbers chapter 6, 24 through 26. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. Amen. And God bless.